So I loved the Bible before I loved preaching. Manny. And I think there are some people who really struggle because they really do love preaching. More than they love the Bible. Not even more than, they just fell in love with it first. Right. And, and it's hard to reorder your loves. Arma Podcast family. It's Manny Arango. In this episode, me and Will Wilson Jr., we sit down to talk about why we love the Bible. I fell in love with the Bible as a teenager, and you may be shocked as to the reasons why I fell in love with the Bible. With no further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Yo, we back for wow, episode wow, two. Wow, wow, Episode two. Are you going to say what? I think I am every episode. Now, I have changed my shirt. Let's just address this. Have you? Did you change your shirt for episode <laughs> let's, two? Let's address this. Because your shirt looks the same. I started secretly wearing the same thing every day. Secretly? Just, I made a conscious decision. You know what? The all black works for me. This is what I wear now. Now, of all the colors to choose from to wear. Sure. I get, black does make sense. It makes you look skinnier than you are. Oh, it's slimming. It's easy to just pick a black shirt. Okay. I don't like spending money on clothes. So you have one essential shirt. Yeah. I would never. Why? I could never spend that much money on a shirt. Really? Now, this shirt is from, can I say the brand? Yeah, you just said Essentials. It's from Walmart. I don't know if you've ever heard of this store. You mean the Bad Target? The Bad Target. Ah. There's a brand called George. Okay. And they make this shirt, and I liked how it fit. And it was the first time I conceded the fact I'm a dad. Because there's nothing more dad than finding an article of clothing you like and being like, give me seven of them. Oh, oh, trust me. So me, me and Brandon know someone named Jesse Summers. <laughs> Shout out. Has, I has, love Jesse so much. He has embroidered the day of the week into the sleeve <laughs> of his shirt. And he has the same. He has seven of the same shirt. Listen, man. And he keeps trying to explain to me why he put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I've gone that Sunday far. In the cuff of the shirt. And every time he explains it, I understand it less. Less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like. I'm not at that point, but I did make the decision a couple years back. Black is what I wear. Now, well, what happened was. Hat. What happened was I got on stage. I went to preach at a church. Yeah. And one of the guys there told me, oh, my God, I was expecting you to, like, you're like Steve Jobs. And once I heard that, over. Also, he acknowledged your uniform. It was over from there. Okay. Now, now the is hat, the Bass Pro Shops hat a part of the uniform? Or the yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both part of the uniform. It's like the away jersey and the home jersey. Yeah, yeah. They're both part of the uniform. What I'm feeling when it's a little bit chillier, put the beanie on. I hate. Put the Bass Pro on a little, little warmer because it breathes out the back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I just rock with it. Now, the shirt is probably, is 388 at Walmart. These pants, I don't remember where I got them from. There's no way I spent more than $15 on them, though. So I'm talking about a combined. Let's say these pants are 12 bucks. You're talking about a combined fifteen eighty eight so far. I refuse to spend money on clothes. Shoes. I will break the budget. Okay. For a pair okay. Of shoes, okay. All which right. Which is why I'm, I don't, no, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to be on uh, nobody's page or nothing like that. I is preachers and sneakers still a thing? I have no. I didn't know what it was till a documentary of another ministry came out, and I was like, <laughs> "Who is this person?" 
And I'm going to mean that. <laughs> Let me shut up. I'm about to get us canceled. Let me stop. You're the person here that's supposed yeah, to not say things to get us canceled. Cut all of this out. Welcome to season one, episode two. <laughs> season one, episode two. Here we are, man. Yo, we are going to actually get into why we love the Bible. Man. So we could have just jumped straight into, yo, let's talk about Ecclesiastes. Sure. Right? We could have jumped straight into what I, when I grew up, I thought it was Revelations. We could have just jumped right into the book Psalms of Revelations. Psalms and Revelations. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Both plural. I have a sweatshirt that was designed by a black man, his, his clothing brand. Okay. And it has Revelations <laughs> on it. Revelations. With the five, S. And I five, wear seven. it. I wear it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it wasn't a typo. He no, meant it he that way. he meant it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we could have jumped straight into Bible topics we sure, love. Sure, But we both felt like it's actually good to talk about why we love the why? Bible, not just jump into the biblical stuff that we sure. like. Um, we're both Bible nerds, and I think I think that it's important to really dive into, like, why. Why? Because if there's not something anchoring you into biblical, a love for the Bible, yeah. then you have to find that why. Sure. Um, it still shocks me. Now, now you kind of tell me your journey, Will. Okay. For me, okay, I loved the Bible before I started preaching. Sure. I loved the Bible, then loved preaching. Okay. However, I have met people who their love for preaching precedes their love for the Bible. Sure. And there's a thousand and one reasons why that's problematic. Okay. But you can't undo your journey. <laughs> sure. Like. Sure. I have, I can remember being in first grade. Now, now I get it. My story may be a little extreme. My parents struggled with infertility for a really long time. Okay. So my mom used the Bible to teach me how to read. So my love for the Bible. Okay. I don't think I knew that. Precedes preschool. Wow. Like, like not only did my mom, not only did my parents struggle with infertility, but my mom was a heathen. Okay. okay. Was not a Christian. Prayed to God. God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. She couldn't tell you who Hannah was, Moses, That was my Samson. joke. I was going right to Hannah. Oh, yeah. She, she had no idea. She had no idea she was praying Hannah's prayer. Okay, so she says, you know, God, and I can make a strong argument that there are people who know God before they get saved. But And I can back that up theologically. Well, we anyway, won't get into that. That'll be do that. later on in the season. That's okay. a bonus episode. So she she eventually did become a Christian. Sure. But at the time where she got pregnant with me, she was not a Christian. Wow. And she prayed to God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. She gets pregnant with, with me. And when I'm born, my mom does everything in her power to fulfill that vow that she made to the Lord. Wow. And prior to my mom getting saved, she was superstitious. Okay? So. Man. I went to church more than some church kids went to church. <laughs> like there are Christian parents who can sometimes prioritize soccer over church. Not your mom. Not my mom. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. My mom was a shoplifting stone cold heathen. Okay. My dad was still on drugs. Okay. My parents are heathens, but you better believe I was at Sunday school. Interesting. I was at church. Interesting. Every week. Okay. Multiple times a week. That's why I got put in a Christian school. 
Gotcha. I got put in a Christian kindergarten program because my mom is like, I ain't going to hell. I'm not going to hell. I done made this vow to God. He ain't striking me with lightning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sending you to no public school. You lost your mind? I was going to a Catholic kindergarten, okay, Catholic school. Shout out to Mary. African Methodist Episcopal Church. Good Lord. Pentecostal youth group. Man. And my mom didn't know the difference between none of it. I mean, your spirit was all confused. (laughs) Good Lord. Good God. I was interdenominational. That's that's interdenominational. Refer right to the first episode if you haven't listened to it. That's okay? an interdenominational experience. So, my mom then used the Bible to teach me how to preach. I mean, to teach how to me read. how to read. Right. No cat in the hat. No. You ain't green seen the places you'll go. You no Bernstein bears. Good God, bro! The Bible. Okay, so I remember. So being, you don't know Harry Potter. You the was, devils, the devils books. You was on that Nebuchadnezzar. Them devils books, <laughs> bro. You didn't know nothing about I Spy, Goosebumps, none of that, bro. She Nehemiah. said, your, "Your mother said, go read Revelations Nehemiah. if you want to get you want to get scared. Ha- go read Revelations. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Revelations. Okay, I, it's the stories about the bears in the Bible. Go read it. Yo, Elisha <laughs> caught him bald. Had <laughs> yeah, the bears come out and attack him. Fantastic. Okay." So, my mother, okay, and I mean, she set me up for the rest of my life. Sure. I can, I, I have no issue honoring where my foundation for love in the Bible comes from. So, I can remember distinctly. I'm in first grade. I'm probably five or six years old. Okay. And I'm at Charles Street AME Church oh. on a Sunday morning. And I'm holding the, the Bible that my mother got for me, Okay. And Reverend Gregory George Groover, Triple G. Man. Reverend Gregory George Groover is preaching out of the book of Judges. He's preaching on the story of Samson. Well, I wasn't interested in the sermon. I went and found the passage of scripture that he was preaching from, okay? And started reading the story for myself because the Bible was more interesting than the sermon. Wow. I'm six years old. Wow. Okay? My love for the scriptures go, I mean, we're we're talking four, five, six, seven sure. years old. Sure. I can remember being six and having an insatiable appetite for the Bible. Sure. And loving the Bible. Sure. I started preaching at 13. So I loved the Bible before I loved preaching. Manny. And I think there are some people who really struggle because they really do love preaching. More than they love the Bible. Not even more than. They just fell in love with it first. Right. And and it's hard to reorder your loves. That, that you know, God doesn't say don't love money. He just says love him more. And and it's hard because this is what the book of Revelation says. It's hard to reorder your love. To reorder your loves. This is what John the Revelator says to the to the <sighs> church. He says... Return back to what? Your first love. Your first love. Your first love. I think that the reason that the both of us probably gave really good years of our life to youth ministry is because we wanted teenagers' first love. We wanted the order of their love to be right. Yeah. Because if you start to love the wrong thing first, First. that that, that priority, the order in which things happen in your life Matter a Priority lot. Matters. That's it is why the enemy wants to introduce pornography into so early. So early. It's why the enemy 
is is sends evil, and I will say evil, and because Jesus says if anyone you know harms a child, a millstone should be sure. around their neck and they should be thrown, thrown in the, the river. Okay, thrown, thrown in the ocean. So yeah. If someone evil is sent by the enemy to molest a child, it derails them. Yeah. Because the order in which you How experience early. things. Yeah. Now the grace of God is real. Sure. The grace of God has the ability to return to you the, the years the years that the locusts have eaten. Right. So I'm not saying anyone's doomed. Right. But there's a lot of people who they got put on stage before they even ever read the Bible in its entirety. Right. And I kind of want to unpack why I love the Bible. Sure. Um, sure. Because, I mean, if you get this. That's right. You get everything. You get everything. Anyone who's attended preaching camp with me. Sure. Or has subscribed to Arma. I think sometimes they're surprised that I'm such a stickler. Stickler. On like. That's literally the word I was about to say. Because you really are. Like read. Read the Bible. Your Bible. Yo, just read your Bible. Are you in the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stories and jokes is cool. It's cool. I'm not against them. They just need to supplement. I'm a great storyteller. That's right. I've learned how to be funny. That's right. You're hilarious, naturally. I do what I can. You're a phenomenal storyteller. But there are so many times where I hear people preach and I just go, that was Bible light. (laughs) Don't say say Bible light. Like crystal light, light, the little packet. Light. Bible zero. Yo, shout out to Crystal Light. Our first endorsement. Shout out to Crystal Light. Yo. Bible. Bible. Bi- Bible Light. Zero. That Bible zero sometimes. You and I, we won't say where we were. We won't even say the city we were in. We will not say. But we sat next to each other and we listened to somebody preach. Yeah. And you know how you be in the moment sometimes where you're like, as long as I don't look at my friend, I will be able to keep a straight face. For sure. I'll make it through this. And the sermon kept going and kept going and kept going. And then eventually I got to the point and I looked, I just did like this. And you were staring daggers into me. Yeah, yeah I was already. You were, you had been there. I was like. <laughs> and we looked at each other like, this is bad. This is a bad TED talk. Now we can get into presentation. We can get into For sure. flow, blah, blah, blah. But I think the first thing we identified was like. Yo, what verse is this person even preaching from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Bible? Because your word returns to you void. At every time. Every time. I'd be saying stuff in 2018 that in this year when it comes back to me, be like, I said that? Yeah. My kids be coming to me like, Daddy, you told us. For sure. If we did our chores, you would give us some money. I was like, I told y'all that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a chart in there on the refrigerator. I'm like, I told you this. Yeah. Okay, rip that chart up because that word came back to me. Void. Void and empty. But the word of God never does that. Never. Never ever does that. I We have never had this conversation with each other, which is why I'm like jumping out of my seat right now. Uh-huh. Our stories are so similar. Okay. I preached my first sermon at 14 years old. Okay. At the interdenominational. I'm digging a shout out every single time. I got to get a- Are they a sponsor <laughs> for the podcast? Is there, our first official sponsor is the interdenominational church of God. At 14 years old, I think it was like at an evening service for like our youth summit. Uh, event that we used to do every year. Um, but that was at 14. Yeah. I was six, five, and just fell in love with the Bible. Yep. Because it was the only thing I knew. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all we, ha- it's all I knew. It's all I had. Yeah. 
and my dad had one that had the uh, grooves like kind of indented yeah, on the side, yeah. old school gold gold pages, yeah, with the grooves, and it had two red ribbons that hung out of it, bookmarks. Yeah, I just thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, for sure. And so I started reading the Bible early. I will never. My sisters used to make fun of me for this. Okay, uh, my older sisters Tiffany and Taylor used to always make fun of me for this. One time I ran out of my room crying profusely, scared to death because I felt like I read something in the Bible that had just shattered my faith. Okay. There's no way I was 12 years old yet. Okay. So, so I'm talking young. You remember what you read? Yes. The Bible, I went down and said, Mom, it says that God is a terrible God. And I'm weeping and my faith, I felt like my faith had been shattered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you told me this was the- For sure. A terrible. What? And my sisters are laughing at me like, who is this? Why are you reading the Bible right now on a random Tuesday? For sure. Now, my chores were never done. I don't know where my homework folder was. Yeah. But I was in the book. For sure. In the book. Bro, I failed most of my co- oh. my class in college except in Bible class. Yes. I'm, I'm in the book. In my major, I got straight A's. Now, part Outside of, the- of my major, I actually almost didn't graduate because <laughs> I, plagiar- how- I plagiarized how- the math paper my senior year. We'll talk about that later. But, but, bro. But the Bible? The Bible. Now, to get to the preaching Life part, to Jesus? the preaching part, what you got to understand is at five years old, I got the opportunity to play drums at church for the first time. Okay. I don't mean this out of uh, arrogance or any level of haughtiness or anything like that. By 12, I was the best musician at our church. Yeah. So I How was- How many instruments you play? Oh, my God. How many instruments you play, Will? Uh, just, a, just a couple. What's the exact precise number? I think it's like 13 or something. 13 instruments, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, yeah. It got to a point. You're the best musician in this room right now, I'll tell you that. It got to the point where I was bringing my drumsticks, my second keyboard, and my bass to church. Dang. Because it was just like, who's not going to show up today? You were just the fill-in for So whoever's not there, I'm like, our youth pastor played bass at our church. Yeah. If he's preaching, he's not going to play. I guess I'm playing bass today. Yeah. Right. So like I, I never grew up idolizing the pulpit and it was never a desire of mine mm-hmm. to do it because I wanted to be Pharrell Williams. I wanted to be Timbaland. I wanted to be a music producer. That was my plan for my life. For sure. I'm going to turn 18. I'm going to L.A. and I'm too talented to not make it. For sure. That was all it was. The, I just had this. I'll use your word insatiable hunger for the Bible. And we were sitting around in our conference room at our church planning uh, with what we called our youth leader team. Yeah. Which is teenagers who were like leaders amongst our youth ministry planning our youth summit. And we hadn't figured out who was coming to preach yet. Okay. And I didn't say I wanted to do it. The words escaped my mouth before my brain could ever catch up to what was going on. And I was like, I'll do it. And everyone, there was this excitement around it. Yeah. But at this point I was 14. I was on stage every Sunday playing. For sure. So it, to your point, like I, I used to not understand that until listening to you say that now. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe the reason why the Lord gave me this gift, you wanted to use the musical gift and For I sure. still get to use it from time to time. It's been great. But it kind of distracted me from falling in love with preaching. For sure. Until much later on. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. did not get to the point that I was like, All right, I guess I'm a preacher. For sure. Because here's what will happen is you will prostitute the word. Absolutely. If you fall in love with preaching first. Yes. 
you will essentially just keep going to the Bible to get more sermons. To get more sermons. Instead of going to the Bible for life. Man. Instead of going to the Bible because you love it. I start off every preaching uh, consultation with this phrase. I read to feed. Yes. I read because I need. Yes. It has nothing to do with a sermon. Yes. And here's the the counterintuitive part of this. Okay. That when you love the word, you have too many sermons. Way too many. (laughs) It's like, I'm, I give sermons away. Like. I've stolen several of them. Consistently, my ability, my need for new sermons has never caught up with to my to the demand to the demand of how much I just love the Bible. Sure. So, um, so that's kind of the, the foundation. Yes. I'll tell you why I then because I feel like I've had multiple rounds of falling in love with the Word. Okay? okay. So the first level I can remember being six, six years old. And just being fascinated yes. with, like, the stories. Me too. Like, what do you mean this dude named Samson could just freaking strong in everybody? Like Noah took 120 years to make one boat. Dude, just the stories, right? I'm just in love. Yes. Then I can remember being a teenager. Okay. And falling in love with the principles of the Bible. Okay. Okay? So I'm going to, like, I'm going to read a quote that that is going to explain... Just me. Okay. Really well. Like, I think I think this is going to help bring clarity to, like, just who I am. Okay. Actually, it's it's on. It's on the other. I got mad devices. You, you got here. crazy devices. Okay. Um, this is a Desmond Tutu quote. Who is Desmond Tutu? Desmond Tutu. He's the uh, Archbishop of, I'm pretty sure the Anglican. I believe so. Church of South Africa. If we are wrong. Just tell us. Somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody tell us. Correct us. He and I know he was a, a a really integral part of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to, because there weren't enough prison cells to sure. put people in sure. who committed acts of uh like during apartheid who committed, right. you know, illegal acts. Right. And so they couldn't just imprison everybody. Their whole nation, you got us essentially you got acquitted of your crimes if you told the truth. Yeah. And Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu yes. believed that for the healing of their nation, mm. that bodies needed to be found, that we needed to incentivize people who have committed acts of terror, sure, to uh, domestic terror, to be honest and reconcile. Sure. So you got there. I mean, you could YouTube this today. There are family members whose families, you know, whose cousins or yeah. uncles or aunts or whoever were killed. And they are reconciling yeah. with people who committed acts of acts of domestic terror. Man. Okay, so Desmond Tutu was a big leader in that sure. spiritual leader. Desmond Tutu says this, um, and this is why I fell in love with biblical principles. Okay, okay, and then in the Bible, as a teenager, if you want to keep people subjugated, the last thing you place in their hands is a Bible. A Bible. There's nothing more radical, nothing more revolutionary, nothing more subversive against injustice and oppression than the Bible. Mm. As a 15-year-old, that was true for me. I can tell you the day that became reality for me. Okay. My youth pastor walks into an all-boys meeting at the church, 
we had split the boys up and the girls on like a Friday night for youth group. Pastor Andy Thompson walks in to talk to all the guys. Pastor Andy asks a series of very interesting questions. Which he still does to this day. (laughs) Yes. It's one of the things he's best at. Yes. First question Pastor Andy asks, how many of y'all live with both your mom and your dad? Man. Now. So you are immediately locked in. My dad has served an 18-year prison sentence. My dad took me to a crack house when I was five. Right. Right. My mom was pregnant with my older sister when she was 12. Wow. My mom didn't just drop out of high school. My mom dropped out of middle school. Out of middle school. I'm broke and he broke. Right. I'm, you know, black and he black, but I'm broke and he broke, broke. Okay. I'm broke and he broke. I'm not broke. laughing, but that was funny. My family's been on welfare. All I know is, is welfare. They know okay? y'all well at the welfare office. Bro. Okay. Bro. All right. My grandmama got custody over all my cousins. Okay. And they don't live with her. She got custody here so she can get a check for the government. Okay. We broke and he broke, broke. Okay. Okay. Pastor Andy asks. How many of y'all live with both y'all parents? Mm-hmm. Only 20% of our hands of go up. Of course. 80% of us is like. Must be nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That 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 they got both of their parents. Sure. 80% of us, we're in the hood. It's a black church in the sure. hood. Next question. How many of y'all know what alimony is? How many of y'all know what that is? All of our hands. Wow. All of us know what alimony is. Because my dad's either paying it or my mom's complaining that he's not. Boom. Next question. How many of y'all sexually active? Bunch of hands go up. Mm. Then Pastor Annie goes, real hard to be angry at your father when you're doing the same activity he was doing when he was your age. Wow. Y'all are hypocrites. If you out here smashing chicks, you out here smashing it's that 90s youth ministry right here. Yo. Chicks. They don't do it like this no more. Let me, let, me, let me help you. Yeah. Your dad was smashing chicks at this age. That's right. Real hard to be mad at a dude who got your mama pregnant when she was a teenager. And, you're and you out best. here potentially getting teenagers pregnant and you a teenager. Let me tell you why your dad's going to always be broke. Pastor Andy looked at all of us and was like, let me tell you why wow. y'all's dads will always be broke. Because if you got four kids by four different baby mamas, it costs more money to feed four kids that live at four different houses. It costs more to give four baby mamas, four chickens to feed four kids than it costs to bring one wife, one chicken to feed eight kids. That's right. So keep your zipper zipper zipped. We're going to jump right to that part. Keep your pants on. Keep, Keep your, pants, your on. pants on. Yeah. Keep your pants up. Up and on. And on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this book won't just get you into heaven. This book will break the chains of oppression that are on your life wow. right now. Wow. So we're going to do an abstinence challenge. Not because you love God. We're going to do an abstinence challenge so that you can stop the generational curse of poverty that's been in your family's life for multiple generations. Wow. And I realized that day, if you want to keep a people subjugated, 
Wow. The last thing you do give is them give them the Bible. Wow. Because the Bible is going to teach them holiness. Sure. The Bible is going to teach them self-control. That's right. The Bible is going to teach them discipline. That's right. The Bible is going to teach them a work ethic. The Bible is going to teach them purpose. It's going to teach them what to do with their money when they get the, when, when the work ethic brings them money. The Bible is yes. going to bring strategy. Yes. The Bible is going to bring wisdom. That's right. For life. And I began to realize that the Bible was a roadmap. Wow. For getting out of the hood. Wow. And if I was ever going to live in the hood again, it was going to be because of my choice. Mm. That on my own volition, I would make the decision to live in the hood, but I'd never have to. Sure. If I could use biblical principles, and then I began to realize, yo, if third world countries just followed Leviticus, they would have 80% of their diseases eradicated. That this idea that God does not care about your life. See, when we think about eternal life, sure, we act like eternal life is only life in heaven. Right. But the word eternal in its original context doesn't just mean how long the life lasts, but the quality. Quality of life. It's a quantitative word and a qualitative word. Wow. When Jesus says, I've come that you would have a life an abundant life or everlasting life or sure. eternal life is not just that you would live forever in heaven with him in heaven, but, but that well. you would live well right here. here. Yes. That God's word is a blueprint for living a life that is healthy, wealthy, and wise. When I was a teenager, I realized, wait a second, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to learn Everything that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to teach them, which means I should get straight A's in school. Wow. There's no heathen that should be smarter than me. Right. If I'm a Christian. Right. Because to even understand the Bible. To read Nebuchadnezzar. To read the word Nebuchadnezzar. To read the word, name Nebuchadnezzar and pronounce it well. Nothing. Because I still be calling him helped, King Nebi sometimes. Nothing <laughs> has helped black people. Get out of poverty more than the Bible. Wow. There is nothing that has helped black people. Wow. A, 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 a subset of, of Americans in this country that's, that's lineage is rooted in slavery and subjugation. Mm -hmm. Freed slaves did two things coming out of the Civil War. Okay. They built schools and churches. That's what they did. And sometimes it's in the same building. That's right. Because black people understood. Let's not get this twisted. It takes intelligence to read the Bible, but the Bible makes you intelligent. All at the same time. And if the Bible can make you intelligent, then I can learn how to create 98 products sure. out of a peanut. Sure. Because this brain that God's given me works best the when I give it a diet of God's word. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was my youth pastor wow. that told me, you can get a scholarship for college mm. so that you can get out the hood. If you start to understand the Bible, you will be smart. I'm not even telling you you got to go to school and learn the Bible in college. I'm telling you, if you become biblically you literate... You can understand science at school. If you at school, yes. if you become biblically literate, right. you can understand English right. at school. Yes. If you become biblically literate, that's right. You can understand history. If you can read Nebuchadnezzar, you can read uh, 
Zybranium. I don't know I, if that's a real I, scientific uh, element or gas or what. That the Bible, the Bible is just good for life. Wow. Period. At that point, I was 15. I was 15 when I realized the Bible was a cheat code. Wow. I was 15 years old when I realized biblical principles and biblical literacy is a cheat code for life. Mm. It's a cheat code for life. Yeah, it makes sense for me to do this abstinence challenge and, and to not have sex outside of marriage. That makes sense. Sure. It made total sense for me because everyone that I knew that was sexually active was broke. Was broke. Wow. It made sense to not become addicted to anything because my dad was an addict. Right. I, all I had to see was, yeah, my dad, no Bible. Sure. Sure. My Bible, my dad, Bible light. Gotcha. Bible zero. Bible zero. Okay. And I think this is going to, and this, this definitely gets into the preachers, preachers and sneakers conversation. Okay. The first millionaire's house I ever went to was my pastor's house. Interesting. Bishop Thompson. I walked into his house and he owned, he was a millionaire. He's a net worth millionaire. The nicest house I'd ever been to. And I walked into this man's house and I went, this is what following the Bible do? Sign me up. Sign me up today. I'll follow every rule in this book. You was trying to get under that mosaic law. You're telling me. <laughs> You're telling me. You were so broke that the Old Testament law started to sound good to you. Bro. <laughs> I was like, now run that tithing thing back you, again. Yeah, well, how much of it? 10%? I walked into his house and went. Sure. Because here's the thing. Once you're exposed to something, you can never be unexposed. Yep, never. You can never be unexposed. And to have that level of exposure at that young of an age. And not only did I have an exposure, I had the juxtaposition. Sure. I had the opposite. Because you've been exposed to the other side as well. I, I saw what sin did. Sure. Sure. As a 15-year-old, I, I could make one clear direct line between sin and poverty. Wow. Clear line. Doesn't matter what the sin is, it runs rampant in my community. Mm. Three of my uncles, my one of my uncle, one of my uncles died of of liver failure because he was an alcoholic. Sure. My uncles were such alcoholics that they would drink Listerine, rubbing alcohol. They would drink anything, anything. with Purell. Sure. Okay. So when my pastor started preaching holiness. I'm like, because you saw the clear line from poverty and sin. Holiness is life. Holiness is life. Not just wealth. Wealth is attained on the way. Yeah. But that ultimately is life. Holiness is life. Wow. This is life. This is abundant life that I lose nothing by being abstinent, not drinking, not smoking. By living holy. And living holy. You lose nothing. Now, I, I'm here to tell you right now, it wasn't until college. I can remember it distinctly. Mm -hmm. Probably 22 years old, 21, 22. It wasn't until college that I fell in love with Jesus. And this is why I tell youth pastors all the time. Stop emphasizing falling in love with Jesus. Stop that. Stop that. Because if you get a kid to fall in love with Jesus, they can fall out of love with Jesus. If you get a kid to fall in love with Jesus, they may fall in love with their version of Jesus, okay. which is the golden calf. Because the people of Israel, they were trying to worship Yahweh. 
They were just using sure. a golden calf to do it. Sure. They weren't trying to worship other gods. They were trying to use something familiar to them to worship the God who has no graven image. And they was dancing around that calf too. Bro. Moses came down that mountain and was like, what? What kind of... The word revelry in that <sighs> passage actually My goodness. includes sexual misconduct. Sure, anyway, I learned this from Paul Borthwick okay. when I was a student at Gordon College. He said, always get students to fall in love with the Bible because the Bible is all, all about Jesus. And if you get them to fall in love with the Bible, they don't fall out of love with the Bible. You can fall in love with Jesus and fall out of love with Jesus. You cannot fall in love with the Bible and fall out. There are atheists who still know Bible verses. If there are people who, wow. are, who, are, who have fallen away from the faith, there are people with Alzheimer's, but they memorized Psalm 91 sure. when they was in their right mind. They don't sure. know their granddaughter's name, sure. but they know Psalm 91, can still quote Psalm 91. Right. He said, because the Bible is about Jesus, if you get a kid to fall in love with the Bible, they will fall in love with the biblically accurate version of Jesus. Of Jesus. And if they fall in love with the Bible, they'll fall in love with truth. And if they fall in love with the Bible, they'll fall in love with God's revelation of himself. Yeah. Getting them to fall in love with Jesus sure. is actually easy because Jesus is very easy to fall in love with. He no died matter, for your sins. No matter what you do. He does miracles. He's got grace. Yeah. Falling in love with Jesus yeah. is very, very easy. Yeah. Falling in love with the Bible is the harder thing. Sure. So you may as well just go ahead and shoot for the stars. Yeah. Get them to fall in love with the word. Do the harder thing first. Get, do the harder thing first. Sure. If they can graduate out of your youth ministry with a love for the word. For the Bible. Yeah. Then you did your job, but you can't give people what you don't have. And a problem with a lot of youth pastors, they don't love the word themselves. Sure. They like reaching young people. They love preaching. preaching. Yes. They love praise from their senior pastor. Sure. They love whatever followers, they love. Clout, influence. Followers, clout. Sure. They love a lot of things, but they don't actually love the word. And you can teach people what you know, but you can only give what you have. That's great. And so for me, I would say I have a distinct memory at five or six. I have a distinct memory at 15, 16. Then I have a distinct memory at 21 of falling in love with Jesus. Excellent. And I would say I fell in love in the right order. Wow. And, and, I, and I would contend that the reason I fell in love with the Bible at 15 is one of the, one of, one of the many reasons that I still love the Bible today. Wow. Is because it actually bears fruit. Wow. Real tangible fruit in people's lives. Wow, wow, wow. Episode two. Season one, episode three. I want to I want to share why I love the Bible. Episode three, Will's going to tell us I'm why he loves about the Bible. Why I love the Bible. It's going to be very similar to what you just said. Look at that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> episode two, we're done. All we right, love it. y'all. Peace. Love y'all. That's a wrap on part one of why I love the Bible. In the next episode, we're going to get into part two, and. Uh, Will is going to share about like why he loves the Bible. This episode was so good. We had to break it into two parts. Make sure that you watch the second part. And if you're not familiar with Arma, we are a team, a diverse team of Bible nerds who want to make theology and biblical content accessible. We make theology entertaining. If you want more information on how you can become a subscriber, head over to armacourses.com. Thank you for listening. 
and watching this podcast episode. How about you share with someone? How about you leave a review? That'll help us a whole lot. Till next time, peace.